everybody and welcome to Bill's JRPG Adventures and Other Trappings. And today we have a JRPG adventure on our hands. Yep, no more trappings. Not today, people. Today we are actually going to review our first JRPG adventure and we're going to discuss it in great depth. What game are we playing, people? We are playing Monstania. Monstania? Monstania. So let's jump in and let's talk all about Monstania. Monstania? Monstania? Yeah, something like that. M-O-N-S-T-A-N-I-A. Monstania. 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 Anyway, I think we're going to have to get used to the fact that I am just going to be terrible at pronouncing the names of these games, especially as they didn't have uh, English translations. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just going to be an awful mess of me messing up names. So um, you guys are all used to that anyway, so that's good. <laughs> so <clears throat> since this is a review, guys, we won't be doing any sort of uh, catch up or anything like that we're just going to be jumping straight into all the uh, all the little goodness of this little known strategy rpg called monstania i'm going to be going over the development the gameplay the story and then giving it my final ranking uh, which will be a part of the overall games ranking for the rpg after years and golden years lists so we have a little uh, little uh, little tab on our on our spreadsheet which has all the markings for all the games we've reviewed and they're all in uh, you know best to bottom order currently topping the table is final fantasy 7 remake yes remake which is a travesty and currently topping up the bottom of the charts is hydelide for the nes which is uh, uh pretty much where it should be that is an absolute garbage dump of a game so <laughs> so yes this will officially be part of those rankings people just to let you know so yeah we're going to get into monstania but first we're going to go over but before we do all that i'm going to introduce newcomers to the podcasts with my little section tropes of the podcast
Alrighty then, so, guys, we have a Patreon, and not just for the after years, there is actually a Patreon for Bill's JRPGs and other adventures. Um, I'm not going to say much more than that, because at the moment, other than a little bit of early episode access, uh, there isn't any other real reason to go on there. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll try and think of things in the future. There's a few uh, backlog things I've got on there. I've got my, I've got my uh, old audio-only Let's Plays of uh, Fantasy Star 2 and uh, the uh, Final Fantasy Legend, which is the first saga game layer on there, and there's a few other little bits on there too. Uh, I'll post out episode documents and just, yeah, just other things that I think of. But uh, I haven't really put any planning into that whatsoever. <laughs> it's just there. It was my old, it was an old patron for another podcast, so I just decided I don't want to sit here and let this fester. I'm actually going to use it. Uh, I'm also going to be working on posting my review episodes onto YouTube. So yes, you may be listening to this on YouTube right now. Hello, YouTubers. Um, I apologize for how basic and crappy this video is because I am not very good at making YouTube videos. This will just be audio, probably with um, a picture of the Mustania game in the background. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> other than that, you know, guys, we are, uh, we, me, I, <laughs> this is a sister show to the RPG uh, After Years, which used to be a show that I used to host called the RPG Golden Years, but uh, metamorphosized into something bigger and better. Um, so guys, if you haven't checked out the RPG After Years, go check them out. And they've got a banging Patreon. They've got loads and loads of good stuff on there. Uh, other than that, we're also playing with the RPG Club at the moment, where we are going through Wild Arms. Uh, currently, uh, well, actually, by the time this episode comes out, we would have just completed up to the gate generator. And so we'll be into the next section of that. But yeah, if you like Wild Arms and you're playing along with the show, I bloody love it. All right, all right then, guys. With all the tropes of the podcast out of the way, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break and move into the review. So Monstania review is here, people. I know you've been waiting a couple of weeks. It's been hard. I've been very busy. <laughs> I couldn't find any time to do it. But let's talk about the development of this game.
So the game, this isn't this isn't going to be the longest review. But I have to say, um, it's one thing playing fan translated of games, and then it's another thing trying to find out how these games were made. <laughs> especially when it's a very little known game like Monstania. Um, there isn't really much uh, out there on it. It was developed by um, some, uh, it was developed by a company called Bits Laboratory, um, who uh, it was, uh, it was founded as an association of freelancing developers. And uh, in its earliest days, it seems to have gone by the name of works with two S's. Um, yeah, there's, there's just not much on it, but they did produce a uh, a plethora of games between uh, 1985 and 1999. See, that, that's the thing. Like, that's quite a like. They you know, there was only like sort of sort of 20 games that they did produce, but that's quite a long period over which to be producing games. Uh, even if there was quite a you know there was like a two year gap between 1997 and 1999, but you know the obviously game development time took takes longer. As you go in through the world, some of the notable games they did produce, including one that I love. Um, so they produced uh, Wing Commander. Uh, there's Game Ground as well, which I have heard amazing things about Game Ground. I listened to a review. Uh, I listened to a review, a ranking review of that on a Hardcore Gaming 101 podcast, and they loved it. That game is apparently really, really good. Game Ground. Um, they produced uh, one of the early versions of Prince of Persia, which aren't quite as good as the ones that came out on the PS2, Xbox, but you know, they're still uh, very well regarded. Afterburner, Darius, and Darius Alpha. Uh, Fantasy Zone and Ghostbusters. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Japanese names here that I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce. But then they also made Altered Beast. Oh my god, I had Altered Beast on the Mega Drive and I loved that game. There was also um, there was like a, a pub when I was younger that used to have an Altered Beast, like, uh, what do you call it, the arcade box, uh, the big retro arcade box in there. Uh, I say retro, at the time it was like a brand new thing. But yeah, they had one of those coin slot machines with Altered Beast on it. And I just love that game. It's like absolutely bonkers ridiculously hard side-scrolling beat-em-up platformer and um <clears throat> yeah it's very short uh i don't think i've ever actually beaten it i just can't <laughs> it's just not good enough but yeah i absolutely love all would beasts so yeah i'm very surprised that you know bit labs actually made monstania as well as a game that i absolutely adore so that's <laughs> it's just great <laughs> it was a really nice really nice to find out that little nugget of information um, and that was it but that's all I've got on the development I've got a bunch of other games that they made nothing else about the people who actually made it um, Packing Video was a, a Japanese game publisher who published this game uh, they were they did actually develop games as well <clears throat> um, and they you know they made they made a wide variety of games for the uh, Famicom, uh, the SNES uh, but yep yeah, they very few published uh, very uh, <laughs> the games were mostly published within the Japan Japanese market, which is why it's not something you've really heard of over over here in the West. Some of the uh, you know one of the games they made was Die Hard in 1991, but that's not the really good Die Hard that's on the PlayStation One. Just to put that out there. Um, you know some of the games they published that you might have heard of. There was Mon uh, there was Minesweeper on the Game Boy because <laughs> everyone had Minesweeper on the Game Boy. I don't think I've ever seen it on there. Um, all the um, all the SNES games were games I can't pronounce apart from uh, Monstania and Magical Poppin <laughs> um, and Tony uh, Tony Miller's Sidekick Soccer 
You know, I bet that was a classic. <laughs> uh, they made, they did actually made a few games for the Turbo Graphics as well. Uh, nothing uh, RPG wise, uh, and they made Virtual Fishing for the Virtual Boy, and I think most famously, uh, now this wasn't one that they published, but one of the games that they actually developed in house was the uh, Harvest Moon for the uh, Super Famicom and the Super Super Nintendo. So that one actually got a, a, a worldwide release. And they, they developed that. And Harvest Moon is quite a well-regarded game as well. So very, very impressed. So as I said before, this game was never released in North America. Although, thankfully, thankfully, fans of the game have translated and patched the ROM, which gives me the opportunity to play and review it for you guys. So Monstania is one of those games that, yeah, like I said, it never got translated. Um... I don't see why I thought this was actually quite a good game and you know I don't think it would have taken that long to actually you know do a translation for it and stick it out there because of the fact it is quite short um it's but maybe that's what was against it because other games of the genre of RPG and especially strategy RPG although it's very it's a very different type of strategy RPG but I'll get to that later um uh, you know, they, they generally have a much longer playtime, so maybe it was the shortness of the game that worked against it. Who knows? But I know it was quite well received out in Japan when it came out. So I don't know what the powers be have against it, but that's it. Uh, the graphics, you know, they're impressive. The sound, oh my god, the sound is great. It is actually, the sound was made by the absolute legend uh, Noriyuki uh, Idawari. I so terrible pronouncing his names but yeah he he was the guy who made the music for this game and you will know him from games such as luna and grandia so you know you you have got some top bollock music going on in this game it is really you know it, it's it's a lot more cartoony than those games and those are two cartoony games as well but it is still very very good uh the story is very i found the story very entertaining and um the gameplay is uh it's very interesting it's very unique i i really liked it now, the translation for this game was done by uh, Gaiden Ji, uh, and he's one of my favourite translators. Now, I say he, uh, it's actually like a collection of people, but there's uh, this one, this guy is the one who sort of seems to front, you know, he's the front-facing <laughs> thing. He's, he's like, you know, he's the media face of this little group of people who translate loads and loads of RPGs. He works uh, alongside other people, but he seems to be like the linchpin that puts a lot of these together. And we'll be hearing, uh, uh, well, you'll be hearing me talk about him a lot because a lot of the games he has translated are RPGs. <laughs> so a lot of them are on my list. And yeah, I've got a lot of respect for this guy. I've known about him for probably about 10 years now, I remember, playing one of his games so so long ago but yeah it's just like he's been around for donkeys 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 and um yeah i was lucky enough to actually have a chat with him in um uh, the hardcore gaming's 101 discord at one point and i was just like completely fanboyed out on him <laughs> it was terrible it's like oh my god man i love your work <laughs> anyway um so he has actually uh, which i found posted a reflection on uh, the translation of monstania which he posted to uh, romhacking.net so i'm just going to read some of this out to you uh, well, Monstania, this game is, uh, was my pride and joy for quite some time. It's a strategy RPG, but not like, uh, <clears throat> but not bulky like a lot of them are. It moves quickly and is fairly short. So I thought, what the hell? Why not, right? Uh, as if uh, Nokiyori Iwadawa's score wasn't enough to convince me. <laughs> Smiley face. Um, uh, I mentioned the game to Satsu. He had apparently done a little bit of work on it, and I was thinking of doing. Uh, I was thinking of just doing a menu patch 
or some such for it. Maybe translating the first few battles, but nothing else. So I bugged him about it and got the table off him. Then we needed to get the kanji for the game. After waiting about a month or so for Mountain Goat, that's a person by the way, <laughs> to do them all, he'd offered after all, <clears throat> um, a Kujin popped up on Setsu's board one day with a raw... Uh, with a roar of all the kanji. Needless to say, I worked on Monstania that day. Uh, Satsu helped me get the kanji into a table for <clears throat> for the uh, Japanese text-to-display sport, and I got the script dumped and offed to Zachman, the translator. It was pretty rough when it came back. It was big, <laughs> message number-wise. So I wrote a small utility to aid in the insertion. Uh, I rewrote some of the script. Oh, and somewhere in there... Uh, the Scrotto helped me uh, change the pointer routine into a much more useful algorithm that let me access the text no matter where it happened to be. Smiley face. <laughs> At this point, the script was still fairly rough and my tool wasn't exactly easy to use. When I commissioned uh, uh, Wild Bill to do a rewrite, he suggested a custom script inserter and task force to write and a task force to write one. Mustania actually became the guinea pig project of task force excellent insert inserter Gizmo. After quite some time, the script revisions were complete, the beta was shipped off to testers, and when the day of release finally came, I was seriously teary-eyed. At once happy at such a great project was complete, a major milestone for my group, and saddened that I wouldn't be able to work on it anymore. But then, there's still the multilingual releases. <laughs> One patch and two bug fixes later, here we are. So, I really like that. It's just one of the first games that this group of people worked on to translate, and it helped uh, bring together tools as well that then helped them with doing other translations down the line. So I found that was a really interesting little read, so I just wanted to share that with you guys. I'm sorry if it was a long, boring boring thing. I'm not the best at reading. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's, uh, let's move on, because that's all I've really got <laughs> when it comes to the uh, development of this game. Uh, I found the translation process a bit more interesting because I can actually find some information on it. So thank you, Zidon Guy, uh, Zidon Guy, whatever his name is. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's move on to the gameplay.
gameplay, guys. So, as I said, Monstania is a strategy RPG, so you have to use strategies. <laughs> and uh, battles are carried out on a uh, varying terrain on a 3D isometric field, which is very similar to Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, and you'll be either using one or to two heroes, and there can be as many as 18 enemies on the screen. And if there is, you are fucked. I'll just put that there now. You are fucked. Um, your characters move around on the screen. You basically get to move like one square at a time. And what I found interesting was is that it's kind of everybody moves at the same time. So it's almost like a big game of risk or chess. So if you move, so Fron is your main character, you're moving forward one square, then the enemies take one move. And it kind of works on that sort of front. So as you're moving, everything feels really fast-paced because you move. Everyone moves. Move, 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 move. And it just, it flows so nicely. Uh, I was just, I was really, yeah, I was really taken aback at first. I thought it looked like it was going to be really hard, but it wasn't. It was actually really easy. Uh, probably one of my biggest complaints about the game, to be honest with you. But, um, but it was kind of fun. And it was just like everything moves around really nicely. And it looks really, really good as well. Um, so yeah, you can move them. You can move them around as a, either a single person, or you can choose an option in the menu to pair up, and then your other character in the battle will follow you around in the square behind you. And they kind of, you know, it's interesting the way to move around. If you start to move backwards, they take a step backwards, and sidestep, and all that sort of stuff. It's pretty cool. And then um, you're allowed to uh, use either a basic attack, or you can open up the menu and use a special ability. And a special ability consumes action points. Uh, action points can then be regained if the character performs no action so you have to push uh, I think it was um, I don't know what it is on the SNES <laughs> I think it was like the square button let's say that because I was, I was emulating uh, so yeah if you push the square button it would basically mean your characters will stand still and the enemies would move forward one turn if you hold it down they would keep moving so if you got yourself into a nice little spot and you didn't want to move and you wanted the enemies to come to you you'd hold it down and while you're doing that your action points would then start replenishing giving you chances to reuse some of your better moves again it was, a, it was it was a nice little sort of you know added another layer to the battles <clears throat> you can also from the menu access a few abilities and uh, other abilities and items as well such as healing items uh, the active character, uh, which is the one who can perform the action, so you have to switch between characters. So if you're using Fron, as I said, and you want to switch to whoever the other party member is to use one of their abilities, you have to do that. It doesn't cost you a move, just a note, but you do have to switch between the two, and then that becomes your active person. And then if they move, the enemies move. But if you're not paired up, your other person won't move and will just be standing there. Again, they, it will regain their ability points, which is useful. Enemies move, uh, so as I said, enemies move in turn after you. Um, and all have one to three different types of attacks. So if you're a fan of, say, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics or Tactics Ogre, those type of games, uh, you would recognise this game as sort of a simplified form of their battle engines. And it really does look a lot like Final Fantasy Tactics uh, with the sprite work and the way the 3D isometric environments are made. The game isn't so predictable though, just to throw 40 battles at you, you know, or five games 44. Um, it actually gives you, like, some of them are ones where it's just like, yeah, here's your open field battle, carry on. Uh, which was kind of, that was one of my gripes with Final Fantasy Tactics, was that it was very samey, you know, you'd just be in a new area 
or a new field of battle and you just have to battle the enemies on it it was the same thing every single time and considering you had random encounters on final fantasy tactics it kind of dragged it out a lot um but in this one it doesn't it actually like most of them are battles but occasionally you get puzzle environments so there are certain things where you know you can either do simple block puzzles where you get to move blocks around to make the right shapes or whatever and you know stand in the right spot on the screen with your two characters you also get uh, other puzzles where for instance you have to there's a floor sweeping one so for those of you who have played grandia and you have to do the floor sweeping challenge on the boat it's very similar to that but you have to sweep the entire floor without missing a spot and without going over the same spot twice so it's just kind of like a sort of bit of a head puzzle really to work out which is the right way around the screen in order to do it and there was three of those in a row and uh yeah the middle one i found very very difficult if i'm honest that was a right pain in the ass but otherwise it was really good it was nice sort of like it just changed it up a bit so like i say you weren't having 40 straight puzzles uh, but even still sometimes the battles were like puzzly as well where they'd either like you know throw a bunch of enemies at you and say hey survive for x amount of turns and that arguably actually leads to one of the toughest battles in the game which is probably about the sort of two-thirds mark through when you get to your granddad or <clears throat> is it your uh i think it's fron's girlfriend uh her, her, her granddad's laboratory and it's been attacked by a bunch of sea creatures and they're all slowly moving up the beach and they're impossible to kill you, know, you can hit them and they'll they'll go on their backs for a couple of turns and <clears throat> the idea of this one is that you have to uh stop the immortal creatures for about 30 turns and prevent any more than two from actually attacking the laboratory and oh my god it was such a pain in the ass uh one of the tips that i use and i'll give to people is to have is to move um uh, the the woman I've got her name now, uh, Fron's girlfriend, over to one side of the screen. So because when she fires her arrows, uh, she has a move later on which will go through all the enemies in a row. So you can sort of stand her over to one side and it will go through all the enemies you can see on the screen. And then try and have Fron over the other side doing an area of area of attack ability. Ability, but it's just important as soon as you start that battle, just move forward. <laughs> Get as far down the beach as you can so you can stop those things getting up the beach as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah it was really tough but it also again it just made it slightly more interesting than just having 40 you know kill every enemy on screen move on to the next bit it just made it a bit more yeah a bit more engaging with yourself um, from a um, technical standpoint the graphics and sound are rather top notch for a uh, SNES cart they are pretty good as I said it is um I probably say the environment's slightly smaller than the ones you get in Final Fantasy Tactics, um, <clears throat> and it uses a, a different color palette, not quite so dark. But again, it is using 3D isometric world, pretty much on par with Final Fantasy Tactics. It looks brilliant for an SNES game, and Tactics was on the PS One. Um, and the music, again, top notch. We had a top notch composer. I keep saying top notch. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the same composer who did the. Um, uh, Grandia soundtrack as well so yeah really good composer and um, yeah it was just really really good um, it may not you know the actual style of art may not always be what you desire but the battle and the music in my opinion is up there with many many Squaresoft titles in quality which is tough to say because that's setting a very high bar you know <laughs> but it really is it really works very very well um, so all this aside <clears throat> uh, though the battles um 
uh, it is a bit linear and having the graphics I, there's only one major complaint with the game and that is that it's just too short and too 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 easy um, I think apart from having to restart some of the um, <clears throat> the puzzle fights like the um, like I say the aforementioned one where you had to sweep it around the room because I just took the wrong path and ended up missing a bit and it was just like oh, damn it I'll have to do it again uh, apart from that I didn't have to restart anything I did it all first time yeah, just like you just have to sort of observe the enemy, kind of work out their weakness, and then keep to it. <clears throat> Even the final battle, it was just like once I realised all I had to do was keep away from the guy every time he cast thunder. So when he casts thunder, you get a warning move, so you move forward, and then he ends up not hitting you, <laughs> and then you just turn around and just absolutely slaughter him with everything you've got. <clears throat> so yeah, it was just too too easy. Um, I managed to finish the game in about sort of I think five to six hours. Um, and yeah, the, the the enemy's AI isn't very intelligent. Most of the time they take a direct route just going straight after you. And then sometimes, yeah, you hit them a couple of times and they don't even fight back. So I don't know what they're doing or if there's like some sort of slowness. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it was just, yeah, they just weren't very, um, they weren't very clever. And sometimes if you've got them in a corner as well, they just wouldn't even fight back. You just get to slaughter them down. But um, yeah, didn't need to restart much at all. It was a very simple game and very, very short. Um, but yeah, I just think the game could have done with just being maybe a tad bit longer and um, a tad bit harder, to be honest with you. But other than that, that was the gameplay. Very, very enjoyable. So let's talk about uh, Monstania. Um, you know, the story. We've talked about the gameplay and the development. So let's get into the final crux of this, yeah? So it takes place on a fictional continent called Monstania, would you believe? <laughs> um, and this, content, uh, this continent uh, contains several features, such as uh, different, uh, uh, different geography, including deserts and mountains and forests, you know, and like lots of little dungeons as well. And there are little islands that are dotted around Monstania as well as the mainland. Um, and although the characters never visit the mainland, um, 
yeah, although they never visit the mainland, you know, we are told that it is there and that we are just off of it. It kind of reminds me of Attack on Titan in that sense. Uh, spoilers if you haven't got to season three. <laughs> God, I should have warned you before. Sorry, everyone. Uh, uh, yeah, so <clears throat> uh, Monstania used to be the home to the fairies. Um, uh, but the humans who lived there uh, unknowingly drove them out. Uh, currently uh, in Monstania, there's very little left and um, the the uh, the sinking and Monastania is actually sinking into the ground, which is being sped up by a character called uh, Barambat. <laughs> Barambat, B A R A M B A T. Barambat. Hmm, yep. So that that that's kind of your core your core crux of the story there. You are on a sinking island that used to be home to the fairies, and the fairies have been mostly driven away and pretty much already considered myth. And some guy is trying to actually sink the island for some reason. So we have um, our main characters. There's a <clears throat> there's not a lot of them, so I'll go through them all. There's Fron, who is our 16 year old main main character, and he's been searching for a fairy who he spots at the very beginning of the game. <clears throat> um, he is the boyfriend of Tia. Tia is also 16, and Fron's girlfriend. Hey, hey. Um, uh, she acts a lot more cautiously than Fron, uh, but follows him everywhere. <laughs> um, and yeah, she uh, she likes to use a bow, and Fron likes to use a sword. So, you know, we've got our, our our melee guy and our range character here. And then, as the game progresses, we meet uh, Tita, who is uh, a little girl that we find. And she's being um, stalked by a lady called uh, Tanya and a guy called uh, Barambat, who I mentioned earlier. So, the story follows Fron and his childhood girlfriend, Tia, as they journey through their homeland of Monstania. Uh, again, Fron is searching for this stair, uh, fairy and they meet Chita, Chita, Chita. <laughs> I don't know why I say it like that. Chita, um, and uh, as it turns out, um, she again she is being pursued by people, and we don't really know why. So we pick her up along the way, uh, and we get to some point, and we actually get to a point in the game just after picking her up where we get a choice of whether to go to uh, this dungeon or go into this mystery forest. So I chose to go into a mystery forest, um, and so yeah, there's there's two points in the game where it actually branches off and you get different story points. Uh, you get the same amount of battles, um, but I decided to go into the woods, and so I met this elf character, <laughs> which is good fun. Uh, and then I got uh, an item out of it, which meant I got a lot more attack points to use with Fron later on in the game. So <clears throat> uh, that's my tip there. I'll take the forest. It's supposed, to be, it's supposed to have a harder boss at the end, but again, game's piss easy, so it's a little bit more difficulty. <laughs> it's not to be, not to be frowned upon. <sighs> Yes. Anyway, after and after moving around with Chitterita for a bit, we get to uh, the aforementioned uh, <laughs> the puzzle where we have to do the um, uh, the sweeping of the floor because we go to a restaurant and Fron and the gang have forgotten their wallets. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, the lady forces them into uh, manual labour as you do, um, <laughs> and it's shortly after this um, that uh, <clears throat> uh, Tania and Bamarat turn up and reveal that Chitta is actually a fairy. She is the fairy that Fron spotted at the beginning as a big glowing ball of light floating around. And um, yeah, she took her took her um, form as a body, which seems like a small child, and joined our little team. And uh, yeah, Chitta, just to mention, is a great, great with magic. She's got some awesome stuff, but I just love using her thunder ability. I thought that was absolutely great. Um, 
And so we have to have a few more encounters uh, with uh, Tanya and Bambarat. Um, and then Fron and Tia decide to visit her grandfather, who's living on somewhere called Pascal Island, uh, to get more clues about this stone that we picked up at the beginning of the game. Uh, but he doesn't have any information for us, so it's a wasted, wasted journey. <laughs> Apart from having to fight those fucking bugs on the beach trying to climb up <laughs> and having the actual most difficult fight of the game. <laughs> Um, so upon returning, uh, we meet a guy called Marx, who happens to be uh, Tania, the bad lady's brother. He helps Fron defeat his sister, uh, but he becomes injured. So Stia, Tia decides to stay behind with him while Fron carries on the search for Chita. Um, Fron makes his way to uh, Snoot, which is a large city, always in snow, uh, on the uh, southeast coast of Monstania. Uh, and the town is currently overrun by berserk spirits, so we have to fight them off <clears throat> in order to get our way into the castle. And this is where we ask uh, for permission to travel to Diamond Mountain, dum, 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 uh, which is actually the final dungeon. See, I've got here very quickly, people. <laughs> it's a short, it's a short romp, but it's good. <laughs> it's, it's good fun. Um, so uh, it's a sacred place where apparently the fairies are hiding out, and where we suspect Chitta has gone to. Um, so uh, Tia is worried and she reunites with Fron and together um, we climb the Diamond Mountain without permission because they refuse us because they're complete dicks. You know, hey, guys, we just saved your fucking town from Frosty the Snowman invasion and this is how, and all, all I want to do is climb your sacred mountain that no one's supposed to go up. God, you know, politicians, man, politicians. <laughs> so at the top, we find Chitta and Bomberat. Uh, Bambarat. And Bambarat is revealed uh, to have once been a fairy too. Uh, he had become human uh, to become more powerful and he now wishes to sink Monstania uh, in order to get the humans back for chasing the fairies out basically. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, he's very frustrated and he admits that he would rather watch his old home sink than let the humans live there. Uh, Chitta and Fron, uh, we work together uh, to uh, <laughs> defeat Bomberat, who turns into this weird sort of big blobule eye monster thing right at the end. It's really quite disturbing. I think I posted a picture of it on Twitter or on my Discord, but um, yeah, it was really, really disturbing. Uh, it's just, yeah, you know. And then we, we break the stone that we've got at the beginning of the game in order to seal Bomberat in another world. Uh, and then all the other fairies, they come to, they come out of uh, hiding and they approach Fawn Fawn and Tia to inform them that, uh, in fact, that now that the stone has been broken and the seal is lost, uh, it's the final now in their coffin and that they can no longer live on Monstania and they have to leave. So we kind of did the right thing by stopping uh, Bambarat, who was trying to sink Monstania by destroying the stone. But unfortunately, it was kind of the final thing in the coffin Ah, I said it before. Final now in the coffin of the fairies, who now uh, it's the last tie to there because um, the stone and everything helped these little magical flowers grow around, which is what gave the fairies substance. And they now have to leave Monstania forever, including Chitta with them. And so there's some there's some sad goodbyes and there's some sad moments. And then we're treated to some really good Mode Seven graphics, people. So. Uh, <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Mode 7 is kind of like a, it's like the balls-out mode of on the SNES. There are quite a few games um, 
uh, where you could like you know sport games and uh, smut shmups and stuff uh, that used to use mode 7 like as the entire thing but they were occasionally thrown into rpgs as a little little nice little touch so uh, squaresoft originally first did it i believe with final fantasy 5 in the opening sequence and they did it heavily heavily in final fantasy 6 all those little nice overworld things that you'd see were really good all the stuff with um uh, the opening again with uh, the mech units, the, the Magitek armor walking through the snow, that was all done in Mode 7. And Square really led the way in sort of making that stuff work and look pretty. And yeah, this has this whole thing of it sort of zooming around the island and it going from dusk to dawn and dusk to dawn by the end credits roll. It was really, really good. I was, again, like I say, this game is actually quite an impressive piece of work, despite how short it is. But then that's probably just because we're quite spoiled with RPGs with how much game length they put into them. But that was the basic story of Monstania. Guy searches for fairies, find a fairies, fairy runs away again, he finds the fairy again, and then accidentally ends up uh, uh, mean, making them leave forever. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. All right, everyone. I'm going to move on, and I'm going to rank the wonderful, wonderful Monstania. Yes, it's ranking times, people. So those of you guys who are familiar with uh, my other shows, such as um, the After Years and the Pre-Golden Years and the Golden Years and whatever else there is, uh, we go through, we rank the story, uh, we rank the combat, non-combat, which is kind of like, uh, you know, parts of the gameplay that just don't involve combat, so, you know, basic menus and stuff between screens, uh, the graphics, the music, and the overall feel. How did the game feel to me as a player or me as a person playing the game? and then we'll give a, a final boss score as well uh, i like to base it on difficulty and then we'll go into the actual final ranking uh, which is a percentage people the number is a percentage out of 100 so just so you know i realized uh, i never ever mentioned that on my old show so people get so confused as to what the numbers actually stand for it is out of 100 percent percent so the story of monstania um now I'm going to base this on the fact that, um, when did Monstania come out? Surely I've got that in my notes. (laughs) Uh, Monstania, did I leave that out of my notes? I think I left that out of my notes. Wow. I am, I'm shocked. I am shocked at myself. I am shocked and quite frankly appalled. 1996 it came out. So, wow, it's a year before Final Fantasy VII. (laughs) 
<laughs> so let's put that into context, yeah? So we've got Final Fantasy 4, 5, and 6, all much better stories. Albeit they were much more ambitious games. Um, I think it was a very, you know, they squeezed a lot into six hours, if I'm honest. Um, and it was enjoyable. It was interesting. I didn't guess the ending um, at all. I feel like I should have done. I feel like it was glaring in my face when I got there. I was like, oh. But yeah, I thought it was all right. I'm going to give the story a lovely little little number six, I think. Yeah, no, nice number six for the story. So combat. Again, the combat for this game was very, very unique. I was quite impressed with it. Uh, I am terrible at um, SRPGs, strategy RPGs. And uh, I don't... You know, it's not really my go-to thing for a game. I don't really think, oh yeah, I know what I'll do. I'll play a game where I can do two-hour-long battle with permadeath and possibly just not get anywhere in the game at all. That's <laughs> a that's a harsh criticism. I know, I know, they can be fun, but this was very simple, bit easy. Um, uh, but yeah, it was kind of nice. It was it was nice and yeah, it was nice to play. It would it wasn't too challenging, so it was just something that you could just pick up and just play. Um, I think based on the fact it wasn't too challenging uh, and based on the fact that there wasn't also a lot to it it was mostly just hit things until they die you know there was occasional things you'd go into the menu to use but I hardly used anything in the menu that was there I didn't feel the need for it at all so I'm going to give combat a 5 I think it was good it was decent very very decent non-combat I'm going to give a 4 if I'm honest because it didn't have a world map you just had a uh, thing where it would go to the next screen and you couldn't even select to go back, which I didn't like. It was just continue. So all you could do was just go in. If you'd collected some items, which sometimes at the end of a level, it wouldn't tell you that you'd found some items, uh, such as, you know, new equipment. And equipment is pretty scarce in this game. And then, so you'd have to go into the menu after every time and check to see if you'd actually got some new equipment and then equip it. And the equipping thing, uh, you only had four things to equip on each character, so it wasn't complicated and they wouldn't pick up a lot of stuff. You couldn't sell the old stuff. But at the same time, there just wasn't a lot there. So I just didn't, it wasn't that great to be honest with you. And it was a bit clunky. Just felt clunky to me, so I'm going to give it a four. But graphics, like I said, beautiful beautiful snares game some great mode 7 stuff at the end um i'm definitely going to give this an 8 if i'm honest i thought it was beautiful i just thought it was really nicely done uh it was very bit anime for my liking but i'm not going to hold that against it i know some people like the anime style uh 3d isometric stuff on par with a lot of playstation games so on the sades i can't rate it lower than an 8 i'm sorry just can't music now I've gone on about the music a bit because we had a very uh, very famous and well-respected conductor who worked on the score. But I can't remember any of the music from it. It was just like... I don't even think that's a track from it. It was just kind of like you know this nice, happy, upbeat sort of cheery tune that was going on most of the time. And I didn't really, yeah, it just didn't really stick with me, to be honest with you. Uh, it just kind of felt more like Mario music, if I'm honest. Like, I'm not dissing Mario music, but it just kind of, uh, it helped add to the cartoony, childish feel of the game. You know, I'd say this is a very good game for like, you know, under under teenagers <laughs> to get into uh, RPGs, maybe. I feel like it would be quite a good one, you know. We're like, most of us probably, well, I say most of us, I grew up playing Mario games. And uh, I struggle to go back to them, if I'm honest with you. You know, I, they're fun and the platforming's good, but I'm still just a bit like, should I be playing this? <laughs> Mind you, I think about it every time I pick up Police Nauts, which is probably why I haven't played it for six months. But uh, yeah, anyway. Um, 
I'm going to give the music a five, which I feel is a travesty to the composer. But again, you know, wasn't a major work, wasn't very long, didn't, didn't obviously because it wasn't so long. He probably didn't put much music into it. But yeah, I just thought it matched the it matched the feel of the game, but I found it very forgettable. And so I can only give it the most average score on Earth, a five. Which brings me down to the overall feel of Monstania. How did I feel playing this game? And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it immensely. I'm going to give it a seven. You know, this isn't going to be like a game that I'm ever going to go back to. I don't see the need to. Like there are two branching paths that I didn't check out, but that's six battles that I didn't participate in in total. And I really just don't give a shit about that. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a seven. I really did enjoy the game while it lasted. Um, and yeah, I felt like it was just a very nice, small, enjoyable romp. And I would thoroughly, thoroughly suggest it to people to go play it. Which brings us to our bonus round, as Scott likes to say on the afternoons, of the final boss score, which doesn't count towards the end percentage, but it's just a gauge of, you know, final bosses in games. And quite frankly, Bambarat was a huge disappointment. He was much more difficult when he was Bambarat. <laughs> you know, you kind of had to keep your distance from him, but fuck me, you hit like a tank. Whereas in the end, it was just kind of like, just avoid the lightning attack and hit the hit the living daylights out of him. Like, he, had, he summons all these extra creatures onto the board. And you just walk around so they don't get anywhere near you. And as long as you keep walking, his lightning spell will miss. The moment his lightning spell misses, you just turn, face, shoot, and hit lightning <laughs> as much as you can. And yeah, and he goes down pretty damn quick. So yeah, he wasn't much of a challenge at all. So I'm only going to give him a 30 out of 100. Sorry, mate. That's where you go. That's where you go. So as a final, 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 final... Now in the coffin, is that going to become my catchphrase? I'll fucking hope not. As a final, as a final category, uh, not category, sorry, <laughs> fuck me. Uh, as the final note on this, uh, we give it an overall score of suspense 58.33 out of 100. So, you know, it's, I feel like it's really low. I feel so bad for it. Um, yeah, I pretty much shat on it with the non-combat one. But yeah, there was just nothing to it. Very, very simple. Um, but yeah, that was a very, very nice, easy, easy short game. Nice game to to kick off Bill's JRPG Adventures and Other Trappings podcast. So I gave it a total of 35 points out of 60, uh, which, you know, percentage-wise is 58.33%. Um <clears throat> yeah, it was really, really good, enjoyable, fun little game to, to play. Uh, you know, it's not going to have the highest score, especially in our total rankings. It's going to put it pretty low down on the spreadsheet, but I would say that is a very enjoyable romp if you wanted to play it. I don't see why you wouldn't. You know, I would definitely, definitely suggest it. And that, my dear friends, will bring an end to the Monstania review.
Oh yes, that was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, folks. Uh, I really do suggest that you pick up Monstania and give it a go. <laughs> I know we gave it a shitty ranking, but you know, it's not the best of games, but it's decent. Really, really good fun. Uh, so anyway, people, what's up next? What's up next for Bills JRPGs and other trappings? Up next is Super Robot Wars for the Game Boy. Uh, now this is a really, really, really chronically old game. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've I've got through to Battle 3 at the moment and this is another strategy RPG with mechs it features mechs from the Gundam series and in two other series which I have no idea what the fuck they are because I am not that familiar with them uh, I watched a lot of Gundam as a kid because it used to be on just after Dragon Ball Z on the Cartoon Network so you know fuck it why not uh, <laughs> I did enjoy it but you know it never got me into the whole giant mech robot anime scene that I've I threw my face into it completely. Um, but yes, if you want to play along, play along with us. Uh, it does have permadeath, but it does also have recruiting uh, in it. I'm already, like I said, I'm on Battle 3, and I'm already down to two characters left, so I am pretty fucked. I'm going to have to start this game again at some point, I imagine. Um, unless I save scum it. I'll probably save scum it. Uh, also, guys, uh, over on the RPG After Years podcast, we are currently doing an RPG club, and we are playing through Grandia. Uh, fucking hell no, we're not playing through Grandia we're playing through Wild Arms Jesus Christ man my, my brain's all over the place um, yeah so we're playing through Wild Arms at the moment so if you uh, want to play along Wild Arms with us uh, we are actually getting towards the business end of that game I will warn you now we are getting towards the end but it is a great 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 fun and it's great to be playing along with other people for a game and uh, everyone's on the Discord chatting about it we've got people on Twitter chatting about it it's really really good and it's really helped expand our community quite a lot so, guys, if, you want to, if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you've enjoyed my review of Monstania, please rate and review in your favourite podcasting applications that you happen to use. Uh, it especially helps in Apple Podcasts, being that that does make up 75% of listenership on pretty much every podcast I've ever been on. So, uh, But yeah, anywhere you want to rate and review us always helps get the show out and helps get the show out to other people. Uh, probably positive reviews, but if you do have if you do have criticisms and you do have things you want us to improve on, please let me know. It's one of the best ways you can do it. Um, also, I have a Patreon for other trappings. Uh, it's very small, and other than uh, other than um, early access to episodes, I haven't got much else to give you. But we do have a really banging Patreon going on over at the uh, JR uh, at the RPG After Years, uh, where you get early access to the episode, add free versions of the episode. They do aftercast, which is a an extra bonus episode once a month, where the guys talk about whatever they want off the record. Um, uh, we do extra reviews of non-RPG games, as, uh, and there's also you can vote and nominate and participate with the RPG Club. Uh, well, anyone can, can participate once the game is chosen, but you can only nominate and vote for the game if you are a patron. So check that out over at patreon.com. Uh, they also have, uh, they've just started streaming on Twitch, which I will never do, because <laughs> I can never guarantee a time I'll be able to record. Um, and yeah, other than that, you know, join the Discord, join the Patreon, join whatever. Find me on Twitter at M-E-T-U-N-N-I-C-A and give me whatever love or grief you want to give me. It's up to you. I'll let you do whatever you want. So that brings an end to our first JRPG adventures, guys, and I'll see you over on the other side where we get some mech wars. Mech wars. I'm a giant robot and I'm going to fucking kill you. Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. I'm Mickey. I'm going to kill you all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.